0: Over the weekend, we learned some really upsetting news. An American journalist named Gonzalo Liera was killed while in Ukrainian custody. Now, ultimately, some of you might not be familiar with his story. He was a reporter journalist based in Ukraine, but he is an American citizen. And ultimately, he was debunking the mainstream narrative on what was happening in the war with Ukraine and Russia. And ultimately, the mainstream media didn't like that. Ultimately, they referred to him as a Russian propagandist, and they told other lies. But he was your only source of information in Ukraine who ultimately told you what was actually happening. He, He pretty much was straightforward and said that Russia is winning this war and Ukraine is losing. And that was something they didn't want U.S. taxpayers to know about because they still wanted us to fund this war. Now, sadly, he knew what he was doing and it was putting him at risk, speaking the truth. And sadly, he was detained. He was released. And then when he was in his last final video, was trying to flee and go to Hungary to seek political asylum, he was detained again by the Ukrainians and he died. But ultimately, he knew he was going to die if he was detained again. And that's the part that gives us all chills. Now, the news initially first came from Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson did post on Twitter that Lyara did die, and it was not confirmed by the government. We later did get that confirmed. Before we get to that part, I want to play a clip of Lyara's father ultimately describing how the U.S. government was not helping his son get out of Ukrainian custody.
1: Insofar as the U.S. embassy, they haven't done a thing. Neither I, nor his sister living in the USA, and I'm reading because I don't want to lose anything, neither I nor his sister living in the USA have been able to communicate with Gonzalo. He's incommunicado. The U.S. Embassy has not answered our inquiries. The embassy in Kiev never offered a defense attorney never visited him except for the first time his court appointment last November 8th. The embassy has just burned out, Gonzalo. An American citizen by birth is in jail because he was exercising his right of freedom of speech. His defense, as I said before, is in the hands of a court appointment Ukrainian attorney that doesn't speak any English. The USA government, with its silence in the face of this scandalous incident, suggests a degree of complicity, or at least tacit approval of Gonzalo's arrest, since nothing else convincingly explains the conspicuous lack of response upsetting
0: to hear, but ultimately he's saying what we've already heard before, that the US government, the Biden regime did nothing to save his son. And we're talking about Ukraine, guys. We're not talking about a country that hates us. We're talking about Ukraine, a country that needs us, a country that continues to beg us for billions and billions of dollars more. They need us more than we we need them. And let's be real here. The Biden administration cared a little bit. They would have reached out. They would have tried to get this man out of custody. But ultimately... Gonzalo was somebody who was very outspoken on social media and called it like it was. He ultimately would call out the Biden regime for being a conglomerate of idiots. And as a result, when he needed their help, they allegedly did not help him. Now, let's just pretend like we're playing on fairgrounds here. After hearing about his p- passing, I did reach out. I reached out to the White House. Corinne Jean-Pierre never responded back. For those of you who don't know, that is the White House press secretary. And then I reached out to the State Department, who would obviously be the ones who would have gotten involved here. I asked specific questions. And let me tell you what these questions were that I reached out regarding. Number one, obviously, I asked him to confirm whether he passed. But the second question was just pretty much involved in what is the U.S. government doing to get Gonzalo out? Are they involved? Are they communicating with his family? Simple questions that somebody should be able to answer within the State Department or within the White House. As I said, the White House did not respond, but the State Department did. And we're going to pull up that first email that I received in response to it. It is obviously just a template. It's not even stating his name. If you read through this email, and I'll spare you the details, because if somebody's worked in media for as long as I have, I could tell you that these PR people, which are, you know, communications individuals they they do have a certain set of templates that they go through when questions like this arise right where is this us citizen and 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 things of that nature so ultimately this whoever was on at the state department for the weekend working literally sent me a template saying we take the role of assisting us citizens abroad seriously and providing all appropriate assistance we offer our sincerest condolences to the family on their loss again they can't even say his name so after reading this, I did something that I've actually never do. I actually reached back out to the State Department. And I asked them to revise their statement because ultimately this statement that they provided me with is garbage. It doesn't address the issues. It doesn't address how easy it would have been for them to reach out and get this man out of Ukrainian custody. And ultimately, at first, the State Department declined. And so I published this on Twitter, on Substack, and it did gain a lot of traction. Later yesterday evening, I received a follow-up from the State Department, and we'll bring that up on your screen right now. In it, they finally say his name. We c- we can't confirm the death of U.S. citizen Gonzalo Liera in Ukraine. We offer our sincerest condolences to the family on their loss. Again, it's the template. They're just plugging in his information now. We stand ready to provide all appropriate assistance, garbage again, And out of respect for the family during these difficult times, we have no further comments. Again, you just heard his father speaking and saying that they were ignoring him while he was trying to get them involved and help him get his son out of Ukrainian custody. Again, it was so easy for them to get involved. This is Ukraine, guys. They have no problem getting on their private jets, flying to a war zone in Kiev to shake hands, do a photo op. You didn't think it was going to come up one time? The president's gone there multiple times to visit. So has the vice president. So has Republican politicians. They all have been there. So ultimately, yes, they could have said something. Yes, they could have taken back on one of those planes. He did not have to die in there. But yet they didn't do anything about it. And they intentionally didn't do anything about it. And you have to believe that at this point, because again, they do not even want to say his name. Again, I asked the State Department, what efforts did you guys make during his detainment to reach out to the Ukrainian government? And again... Again, guys, the State Department would not specifically address that issue. They sent me another template response. So ultimately, yes, a U.S. citizen just died in Ukraine for no reason at all, ultimately because he was disputing the narrative that was going on in the reporting regarding the war with Russia and Ukraine, and he was killed for it. Now, the details about his his death are unknown right now, and I honestly wouldn't believe anyone, even if they told me something, I wouldn't believe it. But we have to wait. His father did tell reporters that his son was being tortured, but he was limited in communication with him. There were other reports that he had pneumonia and he was dying of pneumonia. Ultimately, Gonzalo himself told American citizens and everyone else on the internet that if he were to be detained again, he would die in a Ukrainian prison. And yes, that's the part that gives me chills, that he knew he was going to die if they arrested him again. And now he's dead. So should we be a little fearful? Heck yeah, we should be. Because the United States government didn't come to save this man, and they could have. It would have been the easiest thing to do, especially given that this is the same administration that had no problem at all going to go rescue a black gay WNBA player. And instead of, you know, just getting her for free from Russia, which was a very difficult task to even get her back into the U.S. Because, again, she was smuggling drugs into Russia. Whether you agree with her or not, guys, marijuana is illegal in certain countries. And you cannot just bring it into their countries. You have to respect their laws. But again, the Biden administration prioritized getting her out of there. They even traded her for a war criminal, a war criminal who's, who's committed atrocities all around the world. And they gave him up. They released him. He is now back in the world. So they did something that was extremely difficult and put all of us at risk. Just get a couple of headlines. But now, now that there's an American, well, there was an American in Ukrainian custody, It looks like the Department of Justice did nothing to get him out. Now, if you're wondering where the reports were on on all of this, I was too. Uh, I have no idea where the mainstream media is on all of this. They have not reported at all the death of an American citizen in Ukrainian custody. And so, well, I do what I always do, reach out for comment. I've reached out to Fox News, CBS News, CNN, MSNBC, WAPO, New York Times, ABC News, and other outlets. And I specifically asked them right now, I don't see this on your website. Are you guys intending at any point to cover the death of this American journalist? Well, if you're wondering who responded to me, the answer is nobody. Nobody in the corporate media responded. Ultimately, these people don't care. They don't care. They don't want to get involved. They don't care that an American citizen died in Ukrainian custody. And you have to wonder. Now, and I say this very vaguely because I'm Well aware of what this is gonna sound like. But ultimately, it looks like the Ukrainian government had an American citizen killed because they were not happy with this coverage on the war with Ukraine and Russia. And ultimately, people like myself, independent journalists, are seeing this. And we have every reason to be worried about the things that we're doing, the the subject matter we're covering. You should be fearful because guess what? Guess what's gonna happen to you? If you try to uncover the truth, too, and it disputes the the narrative of the current regime, which is the Biden regime, and you ever get into some situations, even with a friendly country like Ukraine, they're not coming to help you. They will let you die in a prison cell, all because you spoke truth to power, and you might have offended Kamala Harris by calling her a moron on the internet. So ultimately, guys, we're going to continue investigating this because we don't back down. We don't allow foreign governments to kill American citizens, detain them in prison for no reason, and we all just don't look the other way. That's that's what journalism's about. Ultimately, we don't sit here. We don't comply. We don't sit here and allow them to instill fear in our hearts. You still keep going. I've uh, pushed forward a bunch of FOIA requests. So eventually, I'm going to figure out what's going on. And if they choose not to comply with our FOIA request, that's fine. We'll sue the shit out of them. I've had enough of this, guys. I've had enough of seeing American citizens being targeted by governments that hate them because they are speaking freely and openly. I've had enough of it. We should all be fearful, yes, but we all need to start kicking it up a notch because you know what? If we operate in fear, if we sit here and we pretend to play nice with these people, we're not buying ourselves immunity. We're just buying ourselves time. And that's why it's so important to get involved now, to speak up now, and don't allow them to back you into a corner. You guys, I've said it once before, so I'm gonna say it again. And under the Biden regime, I've never been more worried about my financial future. I called my good friend Dr. Kirk Elliott because I wanted to come up with a plan put in place to make sure I was secure, and he came up with a plan for me to invest in silver. I'm rich. I've got my silver. I'm feeling so much better about my future. I highly recommend you give him a call and just chat with his team. 720-605-3900. And you could also head over to his website if you'd like to schedule an appointment. It's KirkElliottPhD.com Brianna. All right, well, I hope most of you took a break from social media over the weekend. I know I didn't, but you're supposed to. That's your job, and my job is to tell you what happened over the weekend. Ultimately, though, there was a protest, and I'll use air quotes, of course, because, well, there was a protest that happened outside of the White House, and ultimately it was a bunch of protesters who were turning violent. But if if you read the mainstream media, and we're going to pull up this article right here, it was uh, mostly peaceful, and that's according to the D.C. police chief, uh pam smith she said most of the, the protest was peaceful but ultimately thanks to border hawk we have video that shows that uh, probably wasn't that peaceful ultimately we see protesters literally trying to break into the white house that's what they're doing right there they are going against the fence and that looks like a temporary fence not the actual white house gate and you could see on the other side of that is secret service trying to hold up the fence because these people are literally attempting to break into the white house now joe biden wasn't there of course Another vacation, I guess, whatever you want to say. He's just unavailable on the weekends. But ultimately, uh, they were violent. We know that they were violent because we heard reports of a knife uh, being pulled by one of the protesters. And you can see here, I mean, what is Secret Service holding? They're not holding up the fence because no one's banging on it. They're holding up a fence because there are people on the other side trying to break through it. As you can see there, someone climbing over the fence, which if you've been paying attention, according to uh, the D.C. uh, uh, U.S. attorney, Matthew Graves, that's a crime. That's a crime. These people are trying to enter a restricted area. And ultimately, that would require the DOJ to go full swing and target these people and go after them with all of their resources. But I reached out to Matthew Graves' office and they didn't want to get back to us. But ultimately, nobody was arrested after they attempted to break into the White House. It's pretty disgusting. It's pretty disturbing. It's expected, though. This new regime just seems to. You know, Pick and choose who they want to prosecute and who they want to apply the law to. And these individuals are exempt from the law because they are Joe Biden's terrorists. They are not uh, conservatives who are just trying to peacefully protest. They are people who want to get into the White House because they are upset that we are supporting Israel and not supporting Hamas terrorists. I want to bring in an individual who shot that video that you're seeing right now, Wide Lyman. He is the field reporter for Border Hawk. Thank you so much for joining us, Wide. I, I want to say that like you showed us the video. You told me you were going there first off. You sent me the video and ultimately when I saw it, it had a couple hundred likes, but now you have over 12 million views on that video alone. The police chief says that it was a peaceful protest, but you were there firsthand. Would you say that was a mostly peaceful protest?
2: If you look at it in terms of the entire day, you could probably make that conclusion. But that moment was definitely not peaceful in any way, shape or form. And and the lead up to that is interesting. We were there for several hours before they got through that section of fence. And they had been trying for many hours for the entire length of the fence on the north side. So, you know, until that moment, mildly peaceful, I guess you could say. But right there, they they were totally willing to get through. the The crazy part is so they. I can get into the details as far as what happened to the fence, but hundreds of people rushed that section as well. So you can only imagine what would have happened if they had all gotten through.
0: Yeah. So it looks like it's temporary fencing that just went up. Is that correct?
2: It is. So the prior uh, protests that had uh, similar numbers I covered, they had just temporary bike fences out front. And they got through those very quickly and got to the actual White House gate. A prior video that we shot at Borderhawk is them climbing that gate, which you also, as you alluded to in your opening, you definitely cannot do that. So they took a different route. This is a similar fencing that you see outside the Capitol and outside the Supreme Court. It's about, I want to say, eight or nine feet tall, and it has a very flat uh, bottom. You know, So the idea is that you can't just push it over. So it's about three feet long on the bottom. So it is temporary, but it is substantial.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because ultimately, like they should not even be there in the first place, and you wouldn't even need that fencing if these were peaceful protesters. But again, they're able to get away with this. I mean, this is a scary situation. But when I reached out to Secret Service, ultimately, Secret Service only made zero arrests, literally zero arrests. I mean, I could see multiple crimes being committed here, and they're pretending like this was nothing that was significant, although their officers, their agents are on the other side trying to hold up a fence because they have to protect the White House. Do you think you've been to a lot of these protests? Do you do you think this is the last that we're going to see of these uh, protesters trying to get into the White House? Because this isn't the first time they've done this.
2: Not remotely the last one. Um, there are two things that are sort of going to kind of lead into the next few months. Uh, the conflict that's increasing in the Middle East, we've seen bombings and issues with ships in Yemen. There was an additional attack this morning, I believe, on a U.S. ship. And as that conflict increases, that will increase these protests, their numbers and their... I guess, uh, vitality, their excitedness at these events. And what you're also going to see is warmer weather. It it wasn't as cold as, say, Iowa is right now, but it was horribly cold with the wind. And the protest shut down pretty quickly after that uh, scene that we shot there. And a lot of it had to do with the cold. I mean, it's it's 20 degrees with the wind chill, warmer temperatures and increasing conflict. You're going to see more of these and they're going to be more violent.
0: Yeah, it's sad, but it's true. And we're heading into election season. So you have to assume that's what these these people are going to do. We saw it back in 2020. So, you know, we, we joke and we say it lightly, but it's riot season for these folks. It's always on the left. They're they're always getting ready to go and to, to commit violent acts and they get away with it every time. I want to talk a little bit about, you filmed this here. It's someone who just pulled a knife out and they're quickly pushed away and brushed away. So I kind of want you to give us a little bit of the backhand scenario, what was going on here, because you seem to have caught most of it on film.
2: Yeah, most of it we did get. Um, So this is at the very beginning of the protest. This is at the head of the protest. So the way this works is most of the protesters are in the street and then the sidewalks are clear for pedestrians and tourists and other folks. This guy ran off from the sidewalk and I did not see it directly, but he takes a knife out and another protester runs over, grabs it out of his hand and immediately yells for police to come over and um, get this guy. The uh, protester who accosted the man with the knife, and you can see in your video there, he's being detained. uh, He handed it to the police. And then we conducted a street interview right afterwards, telling him, asking him the story, tell us what happened. Uh, This was the only time the entire day, which included breaking the fence, throwing bottles at police, throwing flags at police and poles, doing all sorts of vandalism to the statues. Uh, We haven't even posted those videos. This is the only time I saw anyone detained for any length of time. And I can't confirm whether he was arrested or not. He was only detained.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, there there were no arrests that were made. So ultimately, this person was set free, and we gave you know Secret Service and the DOJ enough time to respond back to us, and they decided not to. So ultimately, that's all we have to go off of. Uh, I mean, it's just it's disgusting. It, I wonder, do you know what the motive was for him to even pull out the knife in the first place? Was that ever kind of stated?
2: Not stated and not known. These these protests, they're they're a powder keg. We've heard this expression before, but they're all on the edge. You know, there's a lot of times where other protesters will start uh, throwing things or attacking a building or they start yelling at Starbucks, um, which is, to me, one of the funniest things. Um, And they'll do all kinds of numbers and there's people trying to corral them at times. Again, I'll reference when they got the fence um, de- detached. They took that end off. There were a hundred people that are ready to rush and go forwards. And they're chanting the most horrible things before that, the FJB, the Let's Go Brandon, death to Israel, death to the U.S. I mean, these people are just ready to some level of violence will certainly kick off at any moment.
0: Death to the U.S. should definitely catch our federal government's attention, I would say, because that is legitimately terrorists. I mean, that's what the, ultimately that they're trying to say is they're going to want to cause the rest of us harm. And it, under a normal administration, that would be considered a threat. But I did reach out to the FBI and the DOJ again to kind of go through a lot of this. I want to get another video that you did post. It's uh, of an individual pulling out a jihadist flag. And ultimately, uh, the protesters kind of swept away and tried to grab it and, and tuck, you know, that flag away. But ultimately I see things like that. And that is a threat to our safety as Americans. So I reached out to the FBI regarding that. Plus there was another video or image, I should say which was posted online, wasn't by you, it was by somebody else, and it seems to show some type of Hamas badge on an individual's shoulder. Ultimately, I cannot confirm whether this took place at this event during this time. In the background, it does look like it's D.C. police that are there, so it might potentially be them. But again, I sent this to the FBI to flag this for them, and they would not actually give me comment on it. Instead, they referred me to Secret Service, And Secret Service wouldn't talk about this. So between this image that could potentially have been, you know, taken during the protest yesterday and the jihadist flag that you personally saw, uh, why isn't this on our federal government's radar? Because potentially all these people here could be terrorists.
3: You
2: would hope it's on someone's radar. And what's interesting as well about that video that you're showing is the different factions within the protest. You, you do have extremists in these groups and it, a small percentage of, of extremists is a large number of people. So you're hoping that they're paying attention. You're hoping that they're you know, on the lookout for these kinds of things. Uh, and I saw three of those flags by three different people. Uh, on Saturday. And there are certainly a lot of them that are sympathizing, a lot of them that are president that have extreme views. I mean, even just some of the other chants that we've heard, river to the sea, you know, what does that mean? Well, what's going to happen to Israel in this situation? And when they say uh, no walls uh, anywhere, right? No Mexican walls, get rid of the colonizers, these have very serious undertones that you hope someone's paying attention to. They're likely paying attention to. Uh, other things that they should be paying attention to, but yeah, you you could just see the level of violence that's on the edge here and the threat to the U.S. I mean, again, this concept of getting rid of colonization, getting rid of the walls—I mean, that's a threat to us, our sovereignty, uh, in particular.
0: Yeah, yeah, hey, that's a fair that's a fair thing to say. I mean, right now we have a federal government that's targeting conservatives, not targeting actual terrorists. And we have an open border, which has millions of people flooding in that we don't know who they are. Then we end up with protests like this, which are calling for the genocide of Jews, and also calling for the end of America. And so, yeah, uh, if you're in the federal government right now, your focus should be on these individuals. But unfortunately, that's not the priority. Wide Lyman, I want to thank you for being with us today. Again, for our audience, if you'd like to support his work, uh, you have to support independent journalism because we're not a part of the corporate media world. We are independent. I'd recommend you all head over to borderhawk.news where you can find the latest, as well as make a donation. Thank you so much, Wide, for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. before I go, I always have to put on some deodorant. And I used to look all the time for the best deodorant. I couldn't find it on the shelves at all. Until our good friends over at Give a Derm came out with a brand new deodorant. This one's called Pits Me Off. It's incredible. Watch this, it's super easy. Ta-da and that's all you need. And it dries super quick. Obviously, I'm wearing black. There's no white residue left over. It's a natural deodorant. It's made right here in the USA. There's none of those Chinese harmful chemicals also included it. It's giveaderm.com, and then use the promo code Brianna for 10% off. You gotta try it. The Iowa caucuses are underway right now. You probably have heard about it. Everyone's going crazy. It's Trump, DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Everyone's throwing all these names out there, Vivek uh, as well. And everyone's pretending like, and this gives me a good laugh, that uh, Nikki Haley is a threat to President Trump right now. So ultimately, you might have seen over the weekend, the president was going around Iowa, meeting with Iowans, uh, handing out pizzas to the fire department. And he received warm greetings from everyone. But if you were watching Fox News, they told you something very strange. They said that Nikki Haley was a threat to his his chances in Iowa. They're saying that if he doesn't get anything over 50% of the vote, that ultimately this is, (laughs) I mean, it's not like it's anyone's race. I mean, based on the polls alone, it doesn't even make sense why anyone would be continuing to compete against this man. But uh, don't take it from me though. I'm not uh, anyone with a political background. I just talk a lot of junk on the media world. Let's bring in a friend of mine who knows more about this than I do. I'm gonna bring in Luke Ball, the CEO of Mason Borough Strategies. He's also the former Congressional Communication Director for a couple of people who will like Luke, <laughs> Congressman Matt Gates, and others. Luke, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it.
4: Thank you and I also talk a lot of junk so we'll vibe very well. <laughs>
0: I love it. I love it. that's why we're good friends, Luke. I want to yes. jump into what's going on right now in Iowa. Everyone's pretending like this is potentially Nikki Haley's race, too. I was watching Fox over the weekend. I couldn't help it but to laugh. Uh, they, they said that if she were to gain, uh, she could potentially gain momentum on the president and that uh, she would be a threat to him. Do you think Nikki Haley is a threat to President Trump? Because I'm not seeing it.
4: I don't think he's a threat to President Trump. I think she might be a threat to the Republican party. And I think that it's very interesting if you look at where her support is consolidated. It's in highly urbanized areas of Iowa. And I believe that that says something about the makeup and demographic of all of her supporters. There's also a lot of Democrats and independents who have said they'd be willing to switch their party affiliation to crossover and vote for Nikki Haley because it would be a vote against Donald Trump. And when you look at some of the mainstream conservative media, they have been looking for somebody to try and pit up against Donald Trump and raise them up as a challenger to him. They weren't able to do it with Ron DeSantis. He he kind of Pittered out a little bit over the last cycle. He's not done as great a job as they had anticipated. He's not very good at retail politics. He doesn't have a lot of empathy for the voters on the ground. That doesn't translate very well once you get him out from behind his uh, desk in the governor's mansion in Tallahassee. But I believe that once they figured out that DeSantis wasn't going to be that guy, they started looking for somebody else, and that was Nikki Haley. And so they've always tried to hold her up as the boogeyman over the last few media cycles because that was their really only option. And even though that Donald Trump support has not waned in Iowa. It, Nikki Haley's support has gone up among the people who weren't going to vote for Donald Trump in the first place. So really, they're just playing around with the like double-digit minor percentages of the people who said they weren't going to vote for Donald Trump, and it's gone back and forth a little bit. But it's only gone back and forth between like Vivek and DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Donald Trump's support has remained pretty much stalwart, and I believe that's why he has an edge going into the, the uh, caucuses today.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. And it's interesting because ultimately a lot of a lot of these talking heads on cable news are still continuing to pretend like it's a threat right now to the president. I don't really see any of these candidates as being a threat. Maybe Vivek, because he would just be pulling votes away from the president. But ultimately, I just don't see what they're seeing. It was interesting, though. So so President Trump has stayed away from throwing punches at Vivek. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy has spoken highly of President Trump. But for some reason, he's running on this strategy, like, if you want to save President Trump, you have to vote for Vivek. It's quite strange Uh, We saw some pictures online, too, where he had campaign volunteers in those shirts, and that's exactly what they were expressing. What's your takeaway from Vivek Ramaswamy? Do you think he's more of a threat from just pulling votes away from the president, or do you think he's going to eventually gain momentum? Because I ultimately thought he was just really pitching himself as a potential member of the cabinet, and that's all he's doing here, but it, it seems to be something else. Is it not, Luke?
4: Well, I agree that I think that he was pitching himself as a member of the cabinet. I just kind of think that he's taking this a little bit too far. I think that if he actually wants to be part of that makeup of the cabinet, he needs to go ahead and throw his support behind Donald Trump. And he recognizes that there is a lot of energy behind that Trump vote and that Trump support, and he's tried to ride it so far. But I don't believe that he has wisely utilized that support to the advantage of the MAGA base, because if he truly is trying to consolidate behind this MAGA ideology, then he needs to go ahead and support the Front runner of that ideology, which is Donald Trump. This is not, you know, uh, MAGA light, as a lot of people have said. And so I believe that when it comes down to it, the people who are supporting Make America Great Again and that agenda shouldn't be fooled into voting for somebody like Vivek. And that's what the Trump team recognizes. They look at what's happening and they see like the people who are voting for Vivek could also vote for Donald Trump. And if we want an overwhelming support in the Iowa caucuses, then we need every percentage point that we could possibly get. And so I believe that most everybody, as you said, thought, that he was towing the line in order to get a cabinet position, just kind of like Doug Bergram was doing, which he timed it a lot better, dropped out several weeks ago, endorsed him yesterday. But I think Vivek's taking it too far for this cabinet position ideology. He won't come out outright and say it, but I think that as time goes on, if he continues to be a foil to Donald Trump by touting the MAGA agenda independently, he's going to lose some of the support that he already has. I think he really peaked after the first debate and it's kind of pittered out from there because you saw him hold a lot more support in Iowa a few months ago than he does right now. So he needs to be very careful. He needs to slow down a little bit if this is his ultimate goal. If he legitimately is a competitor to Donald Trump, then he needs to come out and stop acting like he's sucking up to Donald Trump and recognize that if he's going against the tide of the MAGA agenda, he's going to pull votes away from Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that, Luke. Uh, I have another question for you, because you obviously handle crises, and you've done so quite some, several times, we'll say. Uh, We are looking at Governor Ron DeSantis, and sadly, he has, uh, for one, I'll say he was a disappointment so far in his presidential race. He just doesn't seem to be gaining momentum. He's lost momentum, which is so strange. And it all started with the launch of his campaign when he tried to do it on a Twitter space, and it was a swing and a miss. Uh, I don't think and I hope it's not the end of his political career. I hope potentially there might be a 2028 race for him because it doesn't look like he's going to be able to pull this off. If you were advising him, what advice would you give him on how to save himself for 2028 so that this doesn't hurt his chances uh, during the next presidential campaign? Because obviously right now it's not going to go over well for him if he continues to to compete against this uh, primary right now.
4: Well, I worked for Ron in 2018 during his gubernatorial race, and I think that one of the main things that anybody should tell him is that he needs to quit alienating staff. I mean, the majority of people that translated from his campaign over to the transition team and ultimately the administration were either pushed out or left because they were about to be fired. There was a big shakeup immediately after he came into Tallahassee, and it wasn't because the staff was necessarily bad, it was because of political reasons. People thought that one position held more power than the other, or somebody else was holding the line as opposed to people within the DeSantis camp holding power over the political parties. And so I believe that ultimately when he pushed out a bunch of people, they were the people that got him elected in the first place and helped him get to the position that he is in today where he's the governor of Florida. Um, He's got a history of this. There's several articles that have been written about it. It's inside baseball and politics that nobody outside the Beltway in D.C. or outside of the Capitol in Tallahassee really cares about. But that's what I would say, because if he gets this reputation for just leaving a trail of disgruntled staff. Staff, it's going to cause a problem. I mean, there's a couple people from the Trump administration that left and have been disgruntled, but they used it to capitalize and try to get money off of it by saying that they were against Donald Trump and her former staffers. By and large, the people who are with Donald Trump have ultimately stayed within his camp, even if they left the administration or are no longer involved in the campaign. So it comes down to a matter of personality. That personality translates to how you treat your staff, and it also translates to the political strategy of a nationwide campaign. And if you start to get that that reputation, people will be happy to take your money, but they're not going to work the butts off for you.
0: Yeah. No, Luke, he's learning a very valuable lesson right now. I really hope he can't turn it around because here in Florida, I've, I was so proud of him during the pandemic and how he was able to, to conduct himself in his administration and to see him right now. I'm just so disappointed in it, but there are great people that are working near, near him and, and weren't working near him. And I hope he could figure out a way to bring them back in when it comes time to run in 2028. I do believe that his his political career is savageable. I know a lot of people tend to say that it's over, but I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, I want to change this up a little bit. I want to talk about something that happened last week. A lot of us were discussing it. It was kind of a jaw-dropping moment. I suspected it, though. We're going to talk about Fulton County and the prosecutor who has been targeting President Donald Trump. Her name is Fannie Willis, as many of you might know, and she ultimately hired a special prosecutor named Nathan Wade. There they are right there. Well, allegedly, according to documents, court documents, these two are involved in a romantic relationship, which is very, very interesting considering Fannie Willis hired the special prosecutor and gave over $600,000 in taxpayer money to this guy. And ultimately, now these allegations, they're not, neither of them are denying it, by the way. They're not They're not really taking any uh, – they're not giving any responses back, I guess I should say. But they're not denying it, which is very critical in these times. Ultimately – taxpayers are paying for their romantic relationship. And that's exactly what it looks like here. On top of it all, we have Nathan Wade, who did make two visits to the White House and reached out to the White House to figure out what they were talking about, who he met with, and they won't respond. They won't tell us. I've also reached out to Nathan Wade directly and he won't respond on that front either. But it's not just them. We've also seen documents now of Letitia James, the New York Attorney General going in and meeting with the White House as well. And it's all starting to look like what we figured it was a well-orchestrated attack against President Trump. So, first, Luke, I want to just get your reaction to hearing uh, these allegations make their way into the courtroom that these two are involved in a romantic relationship that they failed to disclose.
4: Yeah, well, first of all, I believe that every time you see something like this happen where a scandal comes out about the Democrats, they leap to exactly the same talking points that Fannie Willis did, where she basically claimed that anybody who was criticizing her for this relationship or any of her involvement that might be considered questionable in the politicized investigation into Donald Trump, she claimed that all of those people were racist. That was what she leapt to. You know, the left loves to leap to lawfare and racism if they don't get their way. If they can't fight the narrative, they call people racist racist. If they can't win the right way through our legal process, if they can't win through our voting process, then they'll hijack our judicial system and leap to lawfare instead. And I think that it's just laughable that you see this coming out. In addition to all of the information that we've seen ahead of the indictment, knowing that she launched her website, her re-election website, on the eve of the campaign, she has been fundraising off of basically going after Donald Trump everywhere. They leaked the charging documents before the charging even happened itself. There's just been a total... Uh, It's just been a mess. Like the entire process has been thrown up in the air. This hasn't been above board. If somebody were to professionally go out there and say that we are going to go and charge Donald Trump and blah, 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 and they had no political record, then we might not be able to have some of the same arguments that we have today. But time and time again, that's not been the case. Just like with Letitia James up in New York City, where you saw her going around saying that, Donald Trump is an illegitimate president. I'm going to wake up every day, going to the office of AG, sue him and go home. I mean, these people are running off of this stuff. They're monetizing it. They're monetizing their their politi- politicization of this entire scheme. And I don't believe that that does well for the citizens of Georgia. doesn't do well for the citizens of New York or the United States of America. They're trying to haul him through court multiple times. And whenever they are exposed, they just leap to this hyperpartisan rhetoric.
0: Yeah, 100%. And it's frustrating to continue to watch because ultimately, no one's stepping in. We're not seeing any judges step in and intervene and really rule in favor of the president, which would be fair at this case. Because ultimately, yeah, this this seems to be like a well-orchestrated political hit job. And I don't know what other pieces of evidence they need to see besides just the White House logs, the visiting logs. What are these individuals doing there? I mean, there would be no valid excuse for a special prosecutor in Fulton County, Georgia, going to the White House and meeting with anyone within the White House. There's just no valid excuse for that. And on top of it, I mean, Nathan Wade charged Georgian taxpayers. It was $2,000 per visit. Yeah. They he, he built them for it. it. It's just out of control. I want to get back to lawfare because you mentioned it, and I think it's so important. I'm constantly telling Republicans that they need to get involved and get engaged in lawfare because ultimately, until the other side sees what they're doing, is, well, they know it's wrong, ultimately. But until they get it thrown back in their face, the, is the only time that they actually publicly admit it. We see Missouri's floating the idea around that they might start pulling Joe Biden off the ballot based on a lot of things, treason potentially. They could also use the border crisis as another reason to pull him off the ballot. Do you think it needs to stop being just blanket threats or they just need to go after him and get him pulled from the ballot in order to get the other side to admit it's un-American, it's, it's not democracy when you're getting you know candidates yanked from the ballots? Do you think we need to start engaging in that?
4: I think that historically, Republicans have not done a very good job in combating the Democrats' assaults, just like the Democrats have done in responding to the Republicans. I mean, also, the Republicans are really bad at messaging. They don't really get their agenda across the goal line, and they also don't get their narrative across the goal line. So I think that if the Democrats are operating in one manner and they say it's a totally above board, the Republicans should do exactly the same. And they're putting big money behind this, the Democrats are. like Mark Elias was funding some of the ballot challenges against congressional candidates, trying to get them off of the. Ballot. And it wasn't really about getting those congressional candidates like MTG and Madison Cawthorn off the ballot themselves. It was about setting a legal precedent so that they could use that legal precedent in order to go after Donald Trump on the federal level. And they've done this for years and years. And I believe that if Republicans don't put the money behind their use of the judicial system in not only defending, but also going on the offense against what the Democrats are doing, then we're just going to keep losing. We're going to keep failing. And, you know, as long as they're playing this game, then we have to play the game right back too. Because then they're just using this law as an a competitive advantage and they're getting an edge on everything that's going on in politics. So I believe that we need to take the fight out to them as well and go on to offense as opposed to just constantly being on defense and resorting back to these like cracker barrel tactics that we've always had of the last few years in which we lose all the time.
0: Yeah, Luke, I think you're spot on as always. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Luke Ball. audience and on a little secret i'm saving hundreds of dollars each year after switching over both of my lines to patriot mobile yes so now my business and personal line are with patriot mobile now patriot mobile uses the same towers that you're probably already using now except it's less expensive so my 5g towers that i love to use my old provider i'm still using them now i'm just paying significantly less money to do so and on top of it all patriot mobile believes in the same things you and i believe in they have the same morals So they donate to causes that are like pro-life causes, veteran causes, and even the NRA. It's incredible. So I highly recommend you head over to PatriotMobile.com right now. Take a look at their plans and sign up. And today, if you sign up and use promo code Brianna, they're going to waive the activation fee. Yes, you heard it right. They're going to waive the activation fee. Just make sure you use promo code Brianna, B-R-E-A-N-N-A. Well, guys, Bill Gates is at it again. He is looking to go after your food source, and we have the soundbite to prove it. Take a listen.
2: Well, the Gates Foundation has partnered with Diffit on a great number of things, and uh, among those are our work we do together on livestock, uh, helping animals survive, uh, either by having vaccines or better genetics, uh, helping them be more productive. It's making a big difference, Uh, you know, I was down in Ethiopia seeing how chickens are out there, uh, laying more eggs, getting more nutrition, uh, and even some small savings into the household. So, uh, Edinburgh happens to be where a lot of the world's best work on this is done. And that's why, uh, Diffid and the Gates Foundation are, are funding
1: scientists here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. After I heard Bill Gates say that I was on edge. I definitely don't want Bill Gates manipulating the genetics of livestock, and I don't need him doing it to save me a couple of extra dollars at the register. I want to bring in a man who knows all about this. He's someone we turn to often when we hear about stories like this. Let's bring in veteran Jason Nelson. He's also the co-founder of flyovermeat.com. Jason, thank you for joining us. My initial reaction when I heard Bill Gates saying that, I was a little shooken up by it because yet again, here he is openly admitting to messing with our livestock. What was your greatest takeaway from hearing that clip?
3: Well, beyond the fact that Bill Gates doesn't exactly have the greatest history inside of Africa when it comes to injecting things, I I bring up a little bit of uh, a fear, not only in what they're attempting to do to the world's livestock, but in particular, what that man's goal is inside of Africa. It seems like... Uh, his depopulation agenda has has fully taken hold in Africa right now and and this is a this is a here a huge clarion warning sound to everyone that you should be begin to wonder exactly what it is that you're consuming when the world's richest man is doing everything he can to alter it, like you said, maybe to save a few dollars at the register, but uh that doesn't exactly fit with his history and his agenda in the past.
0: no, it doesn't it doesn't. And he's sitting here talking about altering the genetics of chickens. Uh, what would he be doing to alter the genetics of chickens? It's, it's quite confusing, but is he looking to produce like, get them to produce more eggs? Is that essentially what he's kind of hinting at? Because I was quite confused.
3: It, it sounds like what they're hinting at is that they have the ability to trigger the chickens to produce more eggs. I, I Animal husbandry has come a long way along with understanding exactly how we mass produce. Uh, the issue is not uh, mass production. I understand talking about a micro economy down there. But again, we don't have any control once we've put something out into the world. It's very hard. As you note, there are, are bans in, in many, many countries where you're not allowed to move livestock, you're not allowed to move fruits and vegetables. There's a reason for that. And them genetically modifying animals in Africa has a direct impact here on the United States. It has direct impact on the rest of the world. It, it may be seem like a slow wave, but once that wave crashes over us, it's going to be 100 feet high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's scary. It's really scary to hear them saying that. I mean, we've survived for hundreds of years with our current, you know, genetically not modified livestock. I don't know why he needs to be getting involved in any of this. It's scary, but ultimately, it, most Americans should be coming up with a plan and and that's what we're all about on this show is coming up with a plan. You're somebody who knows how to do that quite well, obviously. As I said in the open, you are the co-founder of flyovermeat.com, which is a, a I'll let you take it away from here, but it's a prepper meat website. So people could stock up on quality meats and they have an incredible shelf life. So I'll let you talk about your line of products and we'll, we'll go a little bit more into detail.
3: I appreciate that, Brianna. So one of the things that I think, as you look at what the sort of agenda from the government is right now, it seems to be a lot about control. So we founded our company on two principles, really. One is, is, that we wanted to guarantee safe, uh, and, and steady access to beef, uh, animal protein that's absolutely necessary for the survival of your family. We wanted to make sure that you could count on it. It could be a, a supply chain that you knew was protected from the very beginning as calves all the way into the point where it's prepared and stored away for your family's long-term survival. But that said, our second principle was also that we wanted to make sure that people were able to depend on themselves and not the government, because every single thing that you ask uh, that the government offers you was going to come with a string attached. And, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs states that after oxygen and water comes food. And if they can go in and tie up the food chain, which, by the way, you know, most places around the uh, around this country only have about a two week supply of food. And if your electricity goes out. You're talking about just a couple of days worth of food in most instances. So the opportunity for people to have autonomy, to have the ability to not be dependent on the government and those strings that come attached were very important to us. So we believe we've done a paradigm shift. We've provided uh, uh, the whole cow. We actually carve up a hand carved. Uh, These are cows that are born, bred, and raised in Texas. Uh, They're hand carved right here in Texas. They're sous vide pasteurized and then freeze dried for a 10 to 25 year shelf life, depending on how you store it. And we're very proud of the fact that it's beef that i not only would serve my family, but we actually have it every single week just for quality control. And we're very proud of it. And more importantly, we know that it's a product again, that People can count on. And I think nowadays it's very hard for people to trust anyone. We don't ask people to trust us. We ask people to look at our track record, the people who run this company like myself, who have all spent our entire lives serving this country and looking out for those people that are most in need. And right now, the people who are most in need are those who disagree with their government.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that's like essential right now, because as many of you know, our government's looking to to get their hands on all these resources so that we do need them and so that we do rely on them. And so ultimately, you know, last week we played a, a soundbite from uh, former congressional candidate Robbie Starbuck, and he's detailing everything that's being done around the globe to to make it that the governments are needed to keep feeding the people. And he mentioned, you know, raising your own livestock, trying to get your hands on creating farmland and all these other uh, essential skills that people should start developing now. But this is something that's so easy for most Americans to do. Now, I want to let our audience know, you guys were so kind to... At first, we were giving our audience 15% off, but you guys have actually upped it. So right now, for a limited time, if they use the promo code Brianna, that's B-R-E-A-N-N-A, You guys are giving them 20% off. But the best part about it is they're getting 20% off of prices that aren't as high as like they are at the grocery store. Like for example, I went into the grocery store and I was shocked when I was looking at Publix, all of the prices of beef under Joe Biden, Sally, everything's gone through the roof. But here you guys have have a fair price on your beef and you're giving them an extra 20% off at flyovermeat.com. So I want to also mention, Jason, the ingredients that go into this. Our audience understands how important these products are. Is there any salt, any additional water? Like, How do you guys create these products? Because ultimately, I know the answer to this one. I'll have you tell our audience. that Ultimately, it's quite simple how you guys produce this.
3: Right. The ingredients are beef. So it's uh, very simple. You cook it in its own au jus when you uh, sous vide it. And and when we take it out and we're able to uh, uh, freeze dry it, it allows us to not have to add anything for preservatives because we did pasteurize it during the process. So we're very proud of the fact that what you're getting is just pure beef. We recommend people when they uh, rehydrate it, uh, that they turn around and salt it, season it, put it in recipes, do whatever you would with beef that just came out of a sous vide cooker. But again, we're very proud of the fact that there's and there's nothing in there uh, other than beef. And not Mm -hmm. only that, Everything that you see, the bag, the oxygen oxygen absorbers, the box that it came in, uh, we source everything so that it's made here in the United States. And I don't mean assembled here. I mean made here. So even the cardboard you're mm-hmm. getting was made by an American, and we're very proud of that. And like you said, there's a 20% discount. That includes, remember, there's no taxes or shipping. We want to make this as simple as possible. So if you go to flyovermeat.com and use promo code Brianna. Uh, we make sure that this is as simple a process as possible so that, again, you can start preparing your family for the long-term needs that we know are coming. We know that there is a, uh, a likely a war. We know that there's likely uh, going to be disease that's released this year in preparation. There's going to be chaos around an election that they don't want uh, Republicans to win. So I think that people need to be prepared for that again and uh, prepared, more importantly, to be able to sustain your family unless you decide that you must suck at the government teat, and that's going to have a massive string attached to it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you said that because we had um, war correspondent Michael Yawn on last week and Michael ended the interview by warning our audience that famine, global famine is coming and he strongly believes that he's predicted so many things. Uh, So far, I actually, he was the first person to tell me that based on the illegal migrants that were coming into our country, that we were going to see a surge in tuberculosis cases. And In fact, in New York City, where a lot of these migrants are being placed, they did see that and it was because of people like Michael Yon. So when he's warning that there's global famine coming, this is somebody who's seen the worst of the worst. Uh, It does have me concerned. Again, for our audience, if you head over to flyovermeat.com, take a look around. There's New York strips. There's all these great cuts of meat on there. It's incredible. And then if you use the promo code for a limited time, Brianna, that's B-R-E-A-N-N-A. They're getting 20% off. And then they are also going to get the free shipping, which is incredible. Uh, And you guys are also, for now, it's going to kick in later, but you guys are also going to start having Bison. I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think that's so interesting.
3: We're very excited about that. Thanks. That's that's actually why we're providing a to. Now we need to clear out a little bit of space uh, in our warehouse Mm -hmm. because we are very excited. Uh, On Friday, I went up and confirmed our bison herd, put in our options on that. These are going to be all American raised bison uh, obviously. Uh, and then we're going to turn around and have them processed right down here in Texas, which is a lengthy move to move them down from, uh, uh, from the Dakotas, but we're very proud about it. It's a lean meat. We're going to excited to add bison to our family and pretty soon we'll be adding uh, chicken back as well. But what I would uh, op- uh, offer to people is, is right now take advantage of that 20% off at flyovermeat.com, put in promo code Brianna. And that way you can go ahead and start taking advantage of our, um, inability to get some warehouse space so that would be a good thing for you and your family
0: yeah it's good to get now right because it's still free shipping regardless so you could purchase the beef products now get the 20 percent off lock in that great pricing with the code brianna and then when you guys do start featuring the bison products it would be great for people to go on and purchase that again and then again you will still get a discount it just won't be the 20 percent, i believe with brianna when bison does come on the market so Definitely go lock in those prices now. It's greatly appreciated that you offer our audience such a great deal. We're thankful for that, Jason. We appreciate your time as always. Jason Nelson, thank you for jumping on with us today and we look forward to having you back on shortly soon. The only channel dedicated exclusively to World Entertainment... I'm your host, Brianna Morello. My journey into conservative media is quite unique. I was raised in Huntington, New York with my six siblings. My mom stayed at home and raised us all while my father worked. After graduating school, I landed in the sports world. I was a freelance reporter and a producer for several outlets. I worked for companies like Major League Baseball, NHL, ESPN+, and many others. But it wasn't until a couple of years in the sports world I realized it just wasn't for me. So I made the jump into the news industry. My first gig was at Fox News and Fox Business. I was a teleprompter operator and although they say it's an entry-level position, it was extremely high pressure environment.
3: You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy? typed a question mark on the teleprompter.
0: After spending a year over at Fox, I decided New York wasn't for me. So I picked up all my belongings and drove all the way down to South Florida. I moved to West Palm Beach before anyone else did. And then during my time in West Palm Beach, I landed at a local news station down here. I was so tired of having to just copy and paste over scripts from platforms like the Associated Press and other platforms where you just don't put thought process into it and there's somebody else who's generating a script for your anchor. So then I ended up landing at Newsmax. I think Bloomberg has a really tough situation he's going through right now. After spending quite some time over at Newsmax, I did head back to Fox. I started working for Maria Bartiroma as a booking producer for her Fox Business weekend show, as well as Wall Street Journal at large. After finding out that Fox wanted me to comply with the local New York City vaccine mandate, I resigned. But I am extremely grateful because I am now a firm believer in independent journalism and strongly believe that will save our country. And so I'm honored to be on this independent platform and bring you the stories you won't see anywhere else. Join me in my journey on The Brianna Morello Show here on Rumble. After a long day of filming, I've got to somehow take off all this makeup, but make sure that I put the nutrients back into my skin that it desperately needs. So I found this new skincare line. I have to tell you all about it. Givaderm is all natural products. I use it twice a day, I use it in the morning, and I also use it before I go to bed. First up, we have this clay cleanser. This is amazing because it takes up all of your makeup and it smells good too. Vitamin C is so important for brightening your skin. I also used to get super bad acne, and so it's helping, um, I guess, kind of like blending my acne scars a little bit so they're not so bright anymore. Here it is, it's the Vitamin C Serum. Just little pumps and put it on. And then don't forget your neck. Now moving on to step three, that is their Uplift Serum. You don't have to do that much. So many times I had like these high-end products and I'm clogging my pores and you could see it. It's literally always around here and around my nose area. But for some reason, maybe it's just because it's natural and it's not all that garbage chemicals that are into it. It seems to clear it up so well. Step four, it's the bamboo mist. It feels so amazing on your skin. I mean, you could literally name all these products that are in it. Definitely also like a cooling. See? And then this one, it's called Nourish. It's like this amazing cream, super light. You don't need that much of it. And always make sure you get under the eye area, not in your eyes. Give a Derm has done miracles for my skin. I highly recommend it to everyone, men and women, because guess what happens if you don't take care of your skin? It looks like you're aging quicker than what you really are aging. Natural products, all made in the USA. They don't support any of the garbage that comes out of China. It's not gonna be found in your products. I promise you that. You have to get this product. Click down the link below. Give a Derm is the product name and the promo code for 10% off right now is Brianna.